This is Flip the Library, the Gwinnett County Public Library podcast. I'm Steve Thomas, the branch manager at the Collins Hill Branch. And I'm Alyssa Gramont, Supervisory Librarian at the Norcross Branch. On today's show, we are talking to GCPL staff who attended the Public Library Association Conference in surprisingly chilly Philadelphia. Hi, I'm Rebecca Fannin, and I'm a Library Associate at the Collins Hill Branch. I'm Paige Mellinger. I am the Early Education Library Associate at the Buford Branch. Amy Eklund. I am a Collection Development Librarian here at Headquarters Branch. I am Lee Skaronsky, the manager of the Centerville Branch. I'm Yulia Khajeva, Supervisory Librarian at the Lilburn Branch. Hi, I'm Patty Reber. I'm the Youth Services Manager here at Headquarters. I'm Jeannie McMahon. I'm a Collection Development Librarian in the Materials Department at Headquarters. Hello, I am Billy Barron, the Learning Lab Specialist at Lilburn Branch. And I am Shelley Schwarzler. I'm the Development Manager here at Headquarters. Those of you attending a conference for the first time, what were your initial reactions just to the conference in general? I think on the first day I was a little bit surprised that there weren't a lot of people, but then I realized that's because we were there during a nor'easter, so there was nobody there yet. Um, So the second day when we showed up in the morning, there was a lot of people. I didn't realize the scale of what a professional conference would be, so that was a lot to take in, but it was exciting to see that so many people are being proactive in the field. I have to second the weather. That was definitely a... a, um an eye-opening experience for me um, and to see you know that a lot of folks actually couldn't still make it in until like Friday Um, but I was very excited to see the amount of um, support and the vendors and all of the things that are going on just in support of our industry pretty much the same I mean it was a great um, group of people a lot of diversity Um, my initial reaction was just that it was a lot of people kind of in the same space as myself, not all career-long librarians, so I was just surprised and happy there was a lot of diversity in in fields and as as well as just people in general. And um, now, what are some of the most interesting sessions that you attended? Okay, so I tried to pick out just one out of the, I don't know, five or six that I went to. that um, some some of my favorites were the big ideas session with Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, she's just a really engaging speaker, and I really like her books anyway. And so just getting to see her uh, point of view and hear her speak about her, um, her life, um, that was very um, moving for me. And then also my favorite session, I would have to say, was Agile Goes to the Library. And I feel like I got a lot out of this session because... I was not familiar with Agile before, um, uh, but it, it, briefly, it's an iterative approach to project management, and I'm planning to use this system to kind of organize my own workflow um, and then hopefully um, help the department organize um, some of our things that we're working on in the department and also at the individual level as well. And you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I have a piece of paper divided up into three columns, and I have sticky notes all over them with different tasks. So that's one of the the takeaways um, from the conference for me. I found myself uh, leaning towards the sessions that had anything to do with technology or makerspace, probably because my library branch is the next in line to have a learning lab with makerspace. Uh, One of the ones that I thought that was a, a really great 
program that was really interesting was called Making Justice, Building Community with Hands-On Learning. And what these librarians did is they went into the local juvenile correctional facility and they, first of all, they contracted with local artists, actual artists, that and established kind of an artist in residence kind of program where that, that artist would then plan a 15-week series of programs once a week with these um, young people who were in the correctional facility. And they were, they chose their artists very specifically by what they had to offer. The one who spoke the most was from uh, Brazil, I think it was. And But what he brought in was he brought a lot of um, cultural information and art experiences and foods and from that would touch the the cultural backgrounds of the these kids that were in the correctional facility and give them a sense of identity and give them a sense of pride for something in their cultural background that they maybe didn't have before and what they talked about was that in each individual session the these young people and I can imagine how tough-minded they probably were and how scared underneath the surface being in this situation but they would act like they weren't you know like well they'll they'll come to this session if they have to but they're not really getting anything out of it but by the end when they looked back and reflected over the whole 15 week series they really had had a tremendous impact on these kids and and it was really evident in the the photos that they showed and one of the things that I really keyed on in on that they talked about was they had one of the uh, a second artist that they had get up and talk was talking about uh, textiles and she was teaching sewing and she the, one of the things that she commented on was that you really have to be ready to change what it is you were thinking you were going to do with the group and adapt it to what they want and need because what they went into this thinking that they were going to do was teach sewing classes with just your basic repair things, like if you have a hole in your jeans or if you need to hem your jeans or you need to replace a button or something like that, they were going to focus on that. When that wasn't what the kids wanted. What the kids wanted was to make pillows. And you might think, well, that's a weird choice, until they went on to describe they wanted to make pillows so that they would have something to give as gifts to their family members and also something to hug and something to give them a little comfort while they're in this situation that is really scary. So I thought that was a tremendous session. Gave me some good ideas. One of the sessions that I was interested in was the path to U.S. citizenship can start at public libraries. It is related with the flipped classroom that we've been uh, doing at Lilburn and our presentation uh, at uh, PLA. Um, in that session, the presenters shared their experience in uh, offering immigration services uh, together with the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services um, together. That was a very successful project between different organizations and uh, the libraries. Um, My takeaway from this is... uh, several ideas that uh, we can uh, implement here at uh, Gwinnett County Public Library. Uh, For example, we can create citizenship resource corners uh, in uh, our branches. Um, We can circulate the flashcards. The flashcards are actually the cards that students love and that they stay, they help them most in preparing for the citizenship test. And one set of cards cost $18. 
to purchase. Uh, so those libraries are just circulating those cards just like uh, regular books. Um, something else that I was impressed with, um, those uh, libraries, they offer voter education sessions with the Department of State. That might be another opportunity to partner uh, with an official organization. And then uh, host storytelling events uh, at the library and invite immigrants to share their immigration stories. In PLA, they gave us a big double room with double screens and a big staging area for us to sit at. And, and we were thrilled there also because being at 10, 9.30, I think it was, 930, or, the last on, day. on the last day of the conference, we weren't sure if anybody was going to get up early enough to come out and hear us. But we had 120, which was amazing. Um, but it was, it was a different experience being just the huge room. And, and we also had some... Luckily, we were able to solve it. We had some technical difficulties getting things set up and ready to go. And had we been a later session where we only had five minutes to get things set up, that would have been a real stress-producing. But luckily, we were at the first session of the day, and we were able to get those um, issues resolved. The other thing that was different was <laughs> we were in the middle of our session, right in the middle of my part that I was talking, and um, I could see that there was a person sitting in the front row who was suddenly kind of agitated and... and <laughs> You know, moving around, and she had a look on her face like something was really wrong. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's? I don't understand what's going on. And then all the people around her started stirring and getting a. Turned out the mouse had run across <laughs> right in front of the stage and was, got right underneath. Got the right podium. underneath. Yeah, we we couldn't see it obviously, but um, the audience made us aware of this, and it was it broke broke the concentration for a few moments, but we got right back on track. So but I will always remember that. <laughs> the, the mouse who attended our session. Um, I also um, was flattered by the audience because they were um, asking questions, they were showing interest, they stayed after the end of our session mm -hmm. to continue uh, asking questions and communicating and asking for uh, contact information. So that was uh, really a good sign that... Uh, they heard our message and it was successful. And um, we had uh, that presentation at Staff Day, but for those of you who have seen it at Staff Day uh, and saw it at PLA, they can tell that it was absolutely different uh, because we had the opportunity to work on our presentation, uh, have it rehearsed in front of uh, certain staff members, get feedback and improve it and get it better and better. So it's completely different now. I spent my time going to all of the programs about youth and youth services. I think the best one I went to was one about using fandom to create programming, which I thought was really interesting. They, they mentioned, too, that fandom can be anything from sports all the way up into your more nerdy, geek, Marvel, Harry Potter sort of things. They were a group of people from Salt Lake City. They were focused on the Harry Potter fandom. That was kind of what they used. All of them were in costume, which was a little much that early in the morning, but they were really awesome. And I really loved how they talked about, you don't have to be the experts. You need to go out into your community and find the experts. And then find your experts who are interested in some of these fandomy things. And I think my favorite thing that they did was they said they have a high teen suicide rate in Salt Lake. And they went out and found 
some therapists. They said nobody wants to come to a program on coping skills, especially not teenagers. That's really boring. But they do want to come to Defense Against the Dark Arts classes. And so they found therapists who were Harry Potter nerds, and they designed a whole program teaching coping skills, but it was all couched in Harry Potter terms. And it was all about Defense Against the Dark Arts, which I thought was amazing. So that was my favorite thing that I went to. Um, working in materials, I attended um, any sessions that I could on collection development, um, any sessions where they talked about new fiction coming out, that kind of thing, um, uh, technical services. Also, any sessions that I could find on data and reporting, because so much of what we do now is reporting on you know, collection statistics and, and using that to make decisions. Um, I was also able to present at a Lunch and Learn um, on a newer collection in the library. Um, Thorndike Press, um, who is one of our large print vendors, they have what's called the Reluctant Reader Books, a Reluctant Reader Program. And those are large print books for, they're geared towards kids like third through eighth grade or maybe a little bit older. Um, and they don't say large print on the, anywhere on the cover or on the book. Um, it just has the you know the larger font inside. But if you look at the book itself, the way they've they've made it, they're not thicker than the regular books. Um, if, if you look at the cover, the covers are the same. So that way, kids who need to read the larger print, and it's not just for visual problems, but more for reluctant readers or struggling readers, because that larger font actually helps with with their reading skills. Um, so the, the larger font's there for for that reason. Um, and so we did the presentation. Our rep from Thorndike Press, Sabin McElping, she, you know, uh, approached me about presenting with her since we had the books in the in the collection. And she talked more about you know the the books themselves, you know, the and how they help kids and the benefits that they have for kids who are struggling with reading. Um, and then my piece of it was more, what did we do at GCPL, you know, with the books? So how did we? How did we find out about them? How did we um, order them? You know, decide what to order. How did we market them? How did we catalog them? And again, we wanted to put them in the collection in a way that did not stigmatize the the readers. You know, the kids. The last thing a kid wants is to pick up a book that says large print on it. So, you know, we interfiled them with the other the regular books. Um, they're just labeled in the catalog as large print for material type. The only thing we did differently on the book was the spine label itself has a 16-point font, just like, which matches the font in a large print book. That's the only way you can tell any difference. Um, but it was a really good presentation. It went well. We had a good turnout. I mean, Sabin had already invited people, even though several of my GCPL peeps came as well to support, and that was really good. And um, but I'd say we had 30 people or so, and but it was a it was a good diverse group of school librarians, uh, youth services librarians from public libraries, but I think also some directors and things like that. And then Thorn, I think the president of Thorndike was there and the VP, and and um, so that was good. But we we had a good good response. I felt like it was pretty successful, but it was successful because um, we got lots of questions afterwards. I had people approach me and ask me questions and ask me for my card and Sabin told me that day and then later followed up with me in an email saying she, she'd heard from a lot of people asking questions about the books. So I'm hoping, you know, we can just spread some awareness of these books to other libraries and for kids who need them. But that was a really good experience for me. Lee and I attended the Making Justice program to, or session together, and that was 
easily my favorite. Um, I had a lot, because I'm a bit news, um, a lot of my attendance was, you know, I wanted to just collect stories and, and relationships and network as much as possible, but Making Justice kind of brought it into, I guess the most impactful thing that I learned other than the things that Lee spoke about were just using personal resources and relationships in the community to make a lot of our programs better. You know, not necessarily any specific thing of what you're doing, but using your entire network of people. And you'll find that the community really wants to help in these in these instances. And they have a they had a lot of different programs, I guess, that they did. Um, and I think they call it Teen Bubbler, which was kind of the program they did, but um, there were a lot of moving parts, and I talked their head off after about a lot of the ideas um, that I planned, and even plan on sharing with them, but um, that was easily the most impactful um, session that I went to, as well as um, there was a program about teaching tech in today's library, which was more based on just making, just refining your program from the, you know, point that from the beginning to the end, so basically more forms and resources to basically write your program out. Um, <clears throat> they gave resources about creating surveys and just kind of, uh, I guess, fine-tuning programming for the community's needs, so that was very helpful. But I did learn a lot in the flipped classroom program that Yulia and Lee um, put on, as well as, as a parent, the large print um, program of uh, genies that we went to so you know I, I feel like I gained a lot from just about every program I stepped into or session rather. Um, I was going to say for me I felt like almost we could have possibly led all of the ones that I attended. <laughs> I was like I think we already do this mm-hmm. um, and I and I did get a lot out of the reluctant reader um, program. I didn't get to come see Saturdays but um, I did Actually, we ended up tweaking the video that you used and submitted it for a grant application. So we'll see if that works. But in addition to that, I think getting in front of the vendors and getting to know who, who's who in each of the different vendor companies is actually pretty important because they're, some of them are really willing to support us financially um, in our ventures. So it was good to put names to faces and get to meet those people as well. I think the biggest theme that I saw at PLA out of all the sessions that I attended was um, being sure that the library is inclusive to the diverse communities that we serve. And I think that's especially important in Gwinnett County, it being such a huge community with a lot of different people in it from all walks of life. Um, So I went to a lot of sessions that focused on um, creating an environment where everybody feels welcome and also Um, leading programs that allow the community to have an open space to discuss some of the challenges in the political world and the um, regular world that exists today. So I thought that was interesting that there were so many based on that topic. And then the other one that I went to that I thought was applicable for um, creating programming for youth and teens was... um, called STEM, and it was an inquiry-based approach to leading STEM um, programs, which is kind of hard because, like, teens don't want to come learn stuff. They really don't. It's really hard. They don't want to do that after they've been at school all day. So you have to be really, really sneaky about how you approach that. So they had um, three different librarians up there that had 
really great ideas on how to sneak in science or technology into fun programs like a glow-in-the-dark party and then talking about how how do things glow in the dark. So things like that, I think, are helpful when creating our rubrics for programming and things like that. Um, I, of course, attended a lot of children's services programs and a lot of general customer service programs, too, because I sort of split my time between the two um, and also picked up on that theme of diversity and inclusion, for sure. Um, but the two programs I wanted to mention were both uh, led by the Houston Public Library. Uh, one was WIC in the library, and WIC, of course, is uh, women, infants, and children providing services like nutrition services and um other things that families that are struggling economically may need access to. And the uh, second was the living room at your library, um, subtitled Conversations Over Coffee and Tea. And so reaching out to um, our early literacy audience um, through the WIC program and bringing in people who are immigrants or refugees in the Houston area in particular um, through the uh, Living Room at the Library program, uh, just reaching out to bring in some people that were maybe not already getting into the library. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Goodbye.